Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition, first ever interview-style casual conversation of the Furtadio experience, where we have conversations around how we can live a more conscious, engaged, and fulfilling life. My guest today is Nat Karotmetri, (laughs) (laughs) and I apologize for that. Uh, Nat talks, he tweets, he lives about self-acceptance and vulnerability and using our own stories to get more out of life. And this is the question I'm going to start every podcast conversation with. So you're the first one, Nat. I'm really excited. Who is Nat and what is the story of Nat? Wow. It's a really interesting question because I spend a lot of my recent years dismantling the stories of who I am. And I mean, essentially at the core of who I am, I'm essence or awareness or consciousness, right? Uh, And the experience I've had uh, is one of uh, struggle of not knowing who I was as a kid, not understanding why I was alive and what my value was. And so that drove a lot of how I lived my life, trying to discover, trying to be better, trying to be enough. And uh, I jumped into personal development and it served me to some extent. It, it got me to where I am now, but it didn't really answer the question for me of why am I here or what's my value. Um, in-person development, it seemed to just kind of further the quest. Uh, you know, it, it it was like I was trying to use personal development as the thing to fix the belief I had about myself that I wasn't enough. And so obviously because my core belief was that I wasn't enough, there was no amount of doing that was going to resolve that. Uh, and probably my spirit, spiritual, my conscious spiritual journey started when I, I was working at a startup and I was busting my butt to do well. And I was on call. I wasn't great with boundaries. I was just doing whatever I could to look good in the eyes of the management. And, you know, I was driven by like the desire for more money. And I literally got sick. And um, so I started, I up until then I had still been reading a lot about uh, I read like Deepak Chopra stuff, Dan Millman stuff, Celestine Prophecy, like uh, even some like channel material I was reading. Um, but when I got sick and I found a meditation center, uh, they introduced me to the actual experience of chi, of energy. Uh, up to that point, it was only an intellectual understanding, but to actually experience it uh, opened me up to new newer experiences and that probably led deeper to 
how I became a coach, understanding that our thoughts affect our energy and our health must mean that it affects how we show up in life and, and how we experience life. And that those were some of the, the uh, steps that led to me becoming a coach. And then even as a coach, my experience evolved from one of, uh, this is who I think I can be as a coach. I have to follow the bandwagon because uh, it seems more traditional and acceptable and, and who I am has never felt acceptable or traditional. Uh, I've always felt like an outsider. So that was the journey of, of life coaches is coming into deeper ex acceptance of who I am, uh, recognizing that I have value as I am, even though it looks different from everyone else or a lot of other people. And uh, I mean, I mentioned self-acceptance, but it's really about like feeling at home in my own body in this world. Right, which can be so incredibly challenging as, as you kind of touched on it with all these external pressures of what you're, you're talking about most recently. What does being a, a life coach look like? What does being successful in the startup world look like? What does, you know, going back to all the way to your childhood, what does a, a successful child look like? I think there's always so much external pressures that are, are weighing down on ourselves and we, we get so bogged down in them. I want to kind of take a step back and look at before you started going down the, the spiritual journey of the inner knowing. I'm curious what specific pressures made you feel like you weren't enough? It's a great question. I don't know the the initial origin of what led me to feel not enough. It could be just that I felt alone, that I, maybe that I didn't think people understood me or my parents didn't understand me or, you know, I, it just felt really different. Um, and then I think once that thought took hold, then I was on this path of trying to discover how I could feel more as part of the whole. But my journey that led down that path was really to abandon myself, to sacrifice or compromise or contort myself to fit into the acceptable boxes that other people created. Right. I mean, I think there's so much power into that. And, and I'd love to unpack that of how did you recognize that? And how did you start going within in this inner knowing? And maybe it, it starts with this, uh, the chi energy? Um, or how did you kind of explore some of this? Like, it's okay if I don't fit into this box. Because if you we think about it, I feel like most people don't actually fit in the box. They put themselves mm -hmm. in the box um, because of these external pressures. And I'm curious what your experience yeah. was. Yeah, it's like the or a square peg in the round, round hole sort of thing. It's like, yeah, right. you, I, I like cut, cut off edges or suppressed parts of myself to, to try to fit in. It wasn't a good fit, but it was... <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, right. Ask your question again, Justin. Yeah. I, I'm curious how your experience of not, not being enough and wanting to fit yourself into a box eventually transferred your energy from that to the inner knowing mm. to where you are now. Hmm. I think ultimately it came from this awareness that what I was doing wasn't working, uh, that all the energy, all the seeking, all the trying to change who I was only exhausted me. And no matter how much I achieved, how much money I accumulated, how much, you know, external accolades, I achieved, I still felt dissatisfied. I still felt not enough. I still, yeah, it was just like, I can't do this anymore. I give up. But you said something at the beginning that was interesting. You said you finally had the awareness that this isn't working for me. But before, you know, you're kind of going and, and, and flowing into not so so much of awareness, but like perception from the outside world that these external factors are going to lead to my awareness eventually. Um, and I'm curious, was there a moment that you just started listening to your to that inner feeling or is it kind of it, it was probably gradual, but. I'm curious for those that are starting, you know, that are listening and they have some of these, this awareness, this inner knowing, but they, they haven't quite developed it yet, but they're, they're hearing something. I'm curious what your thoughts are for them and, and, and sharing your experience of how you started to really accept that awareness. Mm. It was, it was gradual, definitely gradual. Um, there were moments of incredible clarity and insight and then like the next moment or the next day or of like cloudiness again. And I think part of that is just the, the learned self, the conditioning that, um, you know, these are the ways that I've learned to stay safe. And so when I might have the insight or clarity, it's like, Oh wow, this is like really cool. And then like you just, whatever the, the safety mechanism, comes up and clouds over it. And so, and, and then you buy into the old story again, oh, I'm not enough, like blah, blah, blah. So, um, so it's gradual, some moments of great clarity, some moments of great confusion. And I think that once you have that opening though, like, not that you keep seeking it because seeking it also creates more cloudiness. Uh, but you know that it exists. You know that there's this other space that operates differently from the space, from all the conditioning that we receive. And the like more we tune into it in the moment, the more that we acknowledge it, uh, the more we spend time in it as it, 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 
emerges like we 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 allow its presence we allow its, its expression and it becomes eventually it can become more dominant than the, than the conditioning right and i think there's some value in there to talk about how do we create this space for inner knowing and inner wisdom when especially when we get in these rabbit holes of chasing all these external accolades and um, perception from the outside world? How do we create that inner wisdom and that inner space and make time for that? Yeah, I think the first thing is to recognize that you are it, that you are the wisdom and you are the knowing. And it's not like you're not this human that's like accessing the inner knowing, right? Um, it's, it's a switch, a switching of identities you're the knowing and then this this human thing is a outpicturing of of that you know a temporary body a temporary suit or costume right um so uh, that that would probably be the first step um if you can call it a step just an acknowledgement and awareness of like this this is what i am uh and then Creating the space for it or acknowledging it can be different for each person. Uh, some people thrive on rituals uh, and they have some sort of sacred practice that they engage in. Some people get it from a regular uh, meditation practice and meditation can look like in many different ways it could be sitting and breathing, it could be walking, it could be dancing or martial arts could be a form of meditation. Uh, if, if done, you know, with, with awareness. Uh, so all of these are ways, um, paying attention to what we're feeling our emotions, having awareness of our emotions instead of doing what our society and culture promotes, which is suppress them, ignore them. Uh, th that's a bad move. So, uh, but even if you do it, you'll, you'll find out later. So <laughs> it'll circle back around and, and it'll wake you up. Um, and being in nature, being in awe, being in wonder, uh, being around babies. I think it's a great way to bring yourself to presence and creating that space. I, I guess what I'm pointing to is like the space within will find you. It, it, it's, it's not like we have to create it, although we can if you, if you're drawn to it, if you're, um, feeling a calling for it, then, it, then that space is already letting you know that it exists, that it is you. And it, it's a matter of just continuing to pay attention. I, I, I didn't share such concrete stuff. I mean, the, the, there's so much. Um, cause the thing that I, I shy away from is telling people that like, there's only one way or this is the way, 
the way that worked for me is I did a lot of like energy work, Tai Chi, Qigong, uh, that worked for me. Things that engaged my body worked for me just because when I was a kid, I used to escape my body to avoid being present to pain. And so one of my paths of awareness has been being in my body and being present in my body. Um, I also learned to meditate since I was a little kid. My dad, I grew up in a Buddhist family and so my dad taught me that. And so I had it in me, but I didn't understand the benefit of meditation quite as um, clearly as I do now. Like I understood it as like, this is something that can calm me down or center me, but I didn't understand the true spiritual uh, perspective of meditation as, as a kid. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. No, it's beautiful. I think a lot of what you kind of suggested is yes, it, it is a journey for every other individual, every other listener or, or viewer of this podcast, this experience, it's going to look different for them. But I do believe there are some, everything that you talked about, whether it was uh, meditating or energy work or yoga, anything, it all had to do with presence and being present. And it can be challenging when you have, when the thinking mind is always running and i find that honestly the more i spend time on the internet the more my thinking mind kind of runs and the more i just like spend time in the in the you know in the physical world the less my thinking mind thinks and in a world where many of the listeners might be working from home and are on the internet a lot i'm curious and, and I know you're, you're you use the power of the internet as well. How you invite this space of presence outside of this digital communication and conversation? Yeah, it's a great question. I do notice that for myself as well. Uh, the, the the addictive uh, the addiction of social media and being online and engaging, like it, you know, it, it gives you the the right cocktails of chemicals that just, you know, feel good and it can, uh, make you lose presence and focus. Uh, and, and the more that I'm off it or have chunks of time where I'm not connected, I feel so much better. Um, but, uh, definitely setting boundaries is helpful. deciding how much time you're going to be on the internet. And I think the other thing though, is if you are on the internet to take time to connect to yourself first, take time to like center ground. And then when engaging, like engage from your center rather than engaging just from your, your head your mind, um, because all of that, like, you know, energy, they say the energy goes where 
you focus and and if you're mainly up here then um first of all energy is not circling well throughout your body it's just more spinning up here and that's going to cause you to be more distracted uh obviously you're not gonna be able to focus as well but it has other uh impact like you not you may not be able to sleep as well because all the energy is up here and not not further down um, and it can cause other health issues as well so uh, the more that you can like, my suggestion is like, be, okay, before you go online, connect to your feet or connect to your like lower abdomen, the second chakra and really feel grounded and, and centered there and then do what you need to do on the computer. Uh, and then the second thing I would recommend is less switching uh from like focus on one activity if you're on your computer focus being on the computer and, and doing that switch less from one tab to the next tab or from um if you're watching tv don't don't pick up your phone to look up something like all of that switching back and forth causes energy to go back and forth as well and then it caught it you feel that in your mind Can you expand more uh, on the energy that that kind of shifts back and forth, and how energy shows up in our in our daily lives? Yeah. Um, hmm. I think it, it, again, it goes back to energy flows where your attention goes. There's that saying out there, and so like if you were to put your hand out and focus on your palm, you might, if you're sensitive to energy, you might start to feel tingling in your, in your palm, right? Um, like I can feel tingling in, in the palm here as I focus there. And so a lot of us maybe aren't as attuned to energy. Um, but we, as we think, but we all are like, we can walk into a room and, if there's been an argument, we feel something. We know something feels off. There's tension, it's thick. If someone is emotional, we can feel that. If you're in the car on the highway and someone's staring at you, you look because you can feel that. So we're more in tune than we think. And so if we think then about um, where attention goes day to day, right? So, uh, if you tell yourself, I have so much to do and so little time, your mind's going to freak out, <laughs> right? You're going to be overwhelmed. And because you're telling your, your, yourself that I have so much to do, which means like it's undefined. There's so much, it's just kind of scattered. And then so little time, which means you feel constriction in your body and energy doesn't flow. And so that causes more scattered and more overwhelmed because the energy is not flowing well. Um, so then if, if you bring it back to like a day-to-day -day thing of like, oh, well, I'm doing this and multitasking, it's not really a great thing, especially if you someone that's more sensitive to energy or more empathic is, uh, you're shifting from one thing to the next thing. And, and so your energy, 
your focus keeps on going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, same with like, oh, let's see what's new. Let me, let me see what the new notifications are on Twitter or, so, you know, whatever social media. Again, it's a, it's a low-grade addiction. Maybe not so low-grade, I don't know. Uh, and, and I'm guilty of it too. Like, it's not like I'm, I'm like a, a saint around that, but I'm, I'm definitely conscious of like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm checking this too much. I'm starting to feel off. I need to go do something else to bring myself back present. And that might be taking a walk that might actually be taking a nap that might be, um, doing Qigong or something like that. Something that. Um, or even just laughing, laughing for the heck of it helps move energy and bring me present. And I was, as I was preparing for this, I was going through and some of the, you know, part of your, I feel like your mantra is, is play, then make impactful work versus I think the dominant culture is let's make impactful work and then play. I'm curious if you could expand more upon that in, in terms of a perspective of how energy and how that playful energy actually brings a sense of more joy to your work, but also probably doing more better quality work because I know I've noticed this for myself. Yeah. Um, playful energy. I mean, if you think about our pets or little kids, um, they're so full of energy. They're so creative, uh, and they're so present, right? And I think that's what play playfulness is, is all of that. It's, it's, it's flowing energy. Like when you are playful, when you're playing anything, you're not thinking, you're just not thinking. You're just completely in the moment. Uh, and there's just so much of that joy that is usually existent when you're playing, right? And that joy is, is, is an uplifting, lighter energy. And, um, so when we bring that to work, it's like we bring that lighter energy of like, this doesn't have to be serious, right? When we make it serious, if we, in, and we, in our minds, we create consequences of like, well, if I don't do this, then these things are going to go wrong. And that adds to the seriousness of it. And then that adds to the stress that we feel in our body, all by the way, created by thought, right? It's not actually existing. It's just, we're creating we're projecting. Uh, and so, yeah, you might achieve the goal, but along the way it sucked, <laughs> right? The experience totally sucked. And then you achieve the goal and it's really only a fleeting celebration. If that, yeah. So, I was actually going to do uh, a, a racket about this uh, similar. Uh, so my wife and I dance tango and um, I'll share it briefly here. When I first started t dancing the tango, um, 
I would see other more advanced dancers and I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. I want to be able to dance like that. And I have a picture in my mind of what good dancing is. But as I progressed, my teacher kept on telling me, hey, you got to dance with your partner. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? I'm dancing with her. And he's like, no, 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 you're not really with her. You're not present with her. You're just doing the steps. And, and sometimes I would even, and it would just be such a split second of a thing of like contorting my body to fit the picture of how I thought the step should be versus listening to my body and moving in the way that my body wanted to move. And I relate this to life and business and entrepreneurship where so often we are trying to create the out picturing of what success should look like, you know, whatever the metrics are, whatever that is, we're trying to do that. And we forget about our experience along the way, right? We're so quick to try to contort ourselves to fit the picture that if we knew that if we just listened to our bodies a little bit more or a lot more and followed our natural instinct or our natural flow, we could actually have so much of a better experience, you know, enjoying the journey, enjoying the moments. So then whether you reach the goal or not, it's not that such, such big of a deal. Like, you're going to reach the goal, whatever that goal is, or maybe it will change. Who knows? But at least you're enjoying the learning, the growing, the, the doing, the being all, all along the way. Otherwise, from what I've learned in, in my journey, it, it it's, um, it's not a waste, but it's, uh, you miss out on so much richness that's available in life right now, trying to hope that you'll get it later. And more often than not, you don't. Absolutely. I, this, so this is honestly what you just talked about. It's probably one of the biggest things I've had challenges as, as someone who finds themselves, you know, driven and, and wanting to, you know, kind of accomplish a lot. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have this outcome. This is my goal. And when I reach this goal, I'm going to feel great. But until then, I'm going to put my head down and do nothing fun until I reach that goal. Like I was, and my, my partner and my girlfriend honestly has been that, that perfect balance to remind me about play and about fun. And I've had some mentors and, and supervisors who are like, you got to celebrate through the process a little bit. Cause I'd be like, reach the goal next thing next thing um and, and it's just like always oh, wanting more and it's like now you know part of what i've been working recently with my coaches is, is life is just a process like every day i just want to you know work towards like i have goals still but it's it's a, it is about so much more of listening to to where number one where the, where the universe wants me to serve mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's a whole nother conversation, but in what you just talked about, it's, it's about enjoying the day, enjoying the work. And I think that's why I love coaching kids so much and working with kids so much is cause I, as, as 
irritating and frustrating as they can be sometimes because they just refuse to listen. They are incredibly present. <clears throat> um, and, and as adults, you know, we lose that way, that sense of child and that sense of play. And it's just, it's fun to be a goofball, honestly. Like, it is just so fun to be silly. And it's just like, I don't know why, where... You know, once you turn 18 years old, you can't be silly anymore, yeah, or 21, yeah. or whatever it is, unless you have alcohol in you. And I kind of feel like this is a little bit of society and culture because, you know, I'm thinking, I just heard a podcast this morning regarding education, so outcome-based. It doesn't matter what your learning process is. As long as you get an A, you get into college, you get A's, you get into grad school, um, you get into grad school, you get a good job. There's always these outcomes at the end, and people... I, I, including myself, struggle with, whoa, what, I'm going to work hard for this next thing and this next thing. And then I, what's next? Yeah. Yeah. And we, I mean, we saw that in this, this past year of the pandemic. Um, and, and really any time that we go through some sort of financial crisis, right, where people lose their jobs and then they lose their sense of identity uh, and, and, and meaning for life because they've attached their meaning, their meaning making with their role. And then when that's gone, they're, they're a little lost. And it's natural, it's normal, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just an invitation to uh, prioritize something else, something that is more available and, and not so, um, Circumstance-based. Yeah, more available, prioritizing. Prioritizing just living and being. And I want to talk about being boldly alive because you've been talking about that recently. And I'm curious what being boldly alive means to you. Yeah, so Bold Aliveness is the name of my company. And uh, it really speaks to a lot of what we've been talking about today which is um, how can we be more ourselves, not just what society is asking of us or what society thinks is acceptable. Like, can we be adults and be playful and silly and goofy, right? If that's part of your nature. And a lot of us have been conditioned and trained that only some part of ourself is acceptable. And so we learn to only show that part of ourselves. And we even confuse that that part of ourselves is the only part it, that is valuable. Uh, especially in the uh, business world, right? We, we equate production, um, creation with value. And if, if you're producing, if you're creating, if you're serving, then you're valuable, right? But uh, what about the silliness? What about the joy? What about peace, uh, being centered, grounded, being aware? Those are all equally valuable. And so Boldly Alive is, is really about bringing online those other expressions of ourselves that we've disowned. Uh, and, and it's not even just like the joy, the wonder, it could be like trust in ourselves. It could be 
owning our power and authority uh, because sometimes like me I've I've as a kid experienced models of authority and power that I didn't like and I made a decision that I didn't want to any part of that not knowing that there are different even different expressions of power and there are healthy expressions of power and authority that I could embrace and and so the aliveness is I mean aliveness speaks to consciousness it speaks to uh, awareness it it's it, it is what we are it is it is life itself and so like how does life want to express through you right you know you say like you know how can i serve life how can i be a conduit for life and again it speaks to how society wants us to only express in a very narrow way but we have a full spectrum of expression and the more that we allow that that fuller expression honestly that's that's the path for satisfaction or the path of satisfaction it's really not about the achievements and the relationships i mean all that is great it's all part of how we what we believe is meaningful or what we make as meaningful in our lives. Uh, but what I've come to discover is the reason most of us don't feel fulfilled is not because of the stuff. It's because we're not allowing ourselves to be fully expressed. Yeah, that full expression of self and, and of being, of being literally in a live and conscious human and i'm kind of curious what your thought is on do you believe that the re one of the reasons that we don't focus more energy on being conscious and alive and expressing our true selves is because it's immeasurable there are no numbers that can measure it but you can number you can you know when you talk about creativity and money you can measure the bank account your likes on social media you know, your car, all these external things, those are the measurables. But when you kind of get down to it, everything that really matters and brings fulfillment isn't really measurable. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. If you think that's true, a little bit of true. And I think the parts that are not measurable per se fuel what is measurable. So we think that life is about the measurable and sure through history, uh, we've learned to value the hard sciences more than the soft sciences. We fund the sports and the, and maybe not the sports, but we're, we're more likely to fund education than we are to fund the arts. Right. So, I mean, this has been going on for years. Uh, even, even in like the, in, in the act of um, colonization, you know, the civilized uh, English people come to the U S and they take over the indigenous 
you know, the people that seemed less civilized, less smart, because they were, they didn't have the advancements in technology, but they were living in tune with nature and themselves, right? It started a long time ago, and we're we're kind of like bringing up the feminine, feminine, the the soft sciences. So the two go hand in hand. I think part of the reason why so much of society of civilization is unhappy or you know not in their well-being is because they're not living in balance with themselves where they're prioritizing the the hard stuff the measurable the tangible stuff and not so much the soft side or vice versa some people live in their feminine too much and need more structure and and assertive energy in their lives the more that we can live in balance with ourselves um i believe is like the the key to satisfaction and flourishing yeah i as I heard you talk, especially at the beginning, you talked about how kind of the divine within influences the measurables, the structure. Because as when I first started creating, I, I know I talked to you about this before, I, I was doing a podcast, but I was so worried about the numbers, I stopped. And it was work for me, it was pressure. I put so much pressure on myself to, to succeed and, and get to a number so I could get a sponsorship and I could get paid. And I've done this with a, a couple of different ventures uh, of uh, a community that I built. And I was like, there, pe there have to be people in there so I can make money so I don't have to, so I can escape the nine to five. Um, and, and just forcing myself to meet the measurables. And I worked with my coach and we talk a lot about the divine within, the feminine within. And now I'm here and I'm still, I still care about structure and measurable and goals. Those kind of help me learn as I, as I go, but I, I'm, I'm working from a place within and that's what I'm, I think that's why I naturally am attracted to the content that you are creating and we've had some great engaging conversations. I'm curious, this is going back to our beginning conversation you know there is probably someone that might be listening might might have a stigma around the word the feminine within and I, i'm curious if you can unpack that a little bit there's many terms for the feminine within i mean first of all this is not about gender uh this is about a consciousness and awareness that that we all have and there are feminine qualities and there are masculine qualities but you can easily swap it out for yin and yang. Uh, same, you know, yang, um, yang, same as masculine, yin, same as feminine. And, um, but feminine, I honestly, I try not to talk too much about it because it can get confusing for people because it's so easy to equate feminine with feminine gender. Um, but I mean, even, even in relationships, uh, like same sex relationships, you'll see that someone, uh, um, I don't know, acts, even though they're like, let's say two, 
two two males. One is going to be, I don't know, a little bit more of a... I don't even know what the words are to use here, but they, they act differently in the relationship. Um, I'm not saying that one is any weaker than the other or one is any more stronger than the other, but they kind of take on the roles of like, someone might present more masculine and the other person might present more feminine. And the same in a in a um female female relationship um or any other genders out there i mean especially in today's world where gender is so fluid um it, it shows the fluidity of the masculine feminine in in us right um yeah i feel like I don't know what else to say here. <laughs> yeah, no, so in regarding to that, I actually, so growing up, I've, I've just been always a, a very sensitive person, like in, in touch with my mm -hmm. emotions is kind of more so, I guess, what I would say, you know, going through childhood, high school. And I've kind of, I try to suppress that, right? Because as a man, you know, you equ you equate this divine within, the feminine within as as a negative because yeah. that's what society says and that's something i even struggle with during at college as well you know i'd be binge drinking i'd be like oh i'm just you know i was in a fraternity so it's like i'm this frat dude i'm crazy uh, you know i'm 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 hard you know something <laughs> something along that, those lines and i actually you know as i've been working with my coach and honestly so one of the things that had that really awakened me was um i started dating my girlfriend who is physically stronger than me she's an athlete and so honestly she might have more quote unquote, you know, kind of the, the masculine energy that like kind of, I don't know, go get it, tiger, yeah. you know, lion energy. And I'm probably more, have more of the feminine energy. And for, you know, that actually kind of threw me for a twist for the first six months. And I was, you know, I, it, not necessarily depressed, but confused. We talked about confusion last time me and you conversed. And I think it actually ended up opening up a lot more doors to self-acceptance about mm -hmm. me. Um, and for those that are listening, like it's okay. It doesn't matter what your gender is and, and what sort of energy it, that is you and that is okay. Um, I think that's, that's where it really matters is being okay with being you, the essence within, instead of trying to create some other experience that will fit some box or narrative that you believe you should fit into. Yeah, you you bring up a great point. Um, I'm similar to you. I grew up very sensitive, very emotional. Um, I was really in touch with that. And then um, that threw me for a loop in my identity and self-worth growing up because, you know, in the 70s, 80s, I know you weren't born yet, uh, it was very much the, the like a stereotype of you know what a man is and what uh a woman is and i had very womanly qualities in terms of you know those aspects uh and i'm sure that led to you know me feeling like i didn't fit in i mean sure i played sports and stuff but i was just very sensitive uh and uh, my wife she, I mean, as a dancer, you know, creativity, the, like fashion, that sort of thing, that's very feminine for her. But as a business owner, she, she puts on the masculine, all the, not puts it on, but like, you know, she accesses the masculine to 
run a business, to take charge, to do what's necessary so she can flip back and forth um, as as necessary. Although for her growing up in Ukraine where uh, things were tough and uh, kind of the culture is take charge anyway, it is sometimes harder for her to, if she spent days in her masculine, to be able to feel like she can let go and allow in the feminine. Right. It's this yeah. balance, right? Cause you know, I, you're a coach, you have your own business as well. I'm sure sometimes you have to embody that masculine energy, but then sometimes you have to, you know, take the armor off and, and just be, be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and just be you and be one. So I think that that balance of energy is, is a good place to be just as a yeah, human. Absolutely. So as we wrap up this conversation, I'm curious if there's anything, you know, you'd like, um, say that this, this listener right now is, is not before you start it, like, you know, in this personal journey of, of trying to transform themselves and look for all the, all these things, but knowing that they know the answer is within, how do you, what advice or, or what? explorations do you have for uh them yeah um knowing that the answer is within doesn't always mean that you don't access external help so uh sometimes the answer that's within is uh engaging in a program or signing up with a coach or going to see a therapist or um, like knowing that you're the knowing, the knowing is going to bring to you what you need at any given moment. And li just listening to that is great. And you can't mess it up. So you can you can do something you think this is the right thing and it's and maybe it is maybe it isn't it doesn't really matter it's you're here for the experience of it and uh and it's like um the universe as you knows to serve up the next thing and then you can choose and sometimes you take the scenic route, sometimes you take the direct route, and it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. There's no right or wrong experience. It's all an experience, and it's all our yeah. own. And in embodying that, I think that's, a, that's an incredible place to leave off. Um, where can people find some of your content and uh, your business? Yeah, so they can find me online, my website, boldaliveness.com. Uh, and then there on the about page, you can find links to social media as well. But I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Racket. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time today, Nat. Um, I loved our conversation and I always love conversing with you, whether it's just going back and forth on Twitter and, and even more in the digital world of, of Zoom or R Riverside FM. Yeah, Justin, this has really been a joy. Thank you.